the March session on sound, spaciousness. Lots of different ways of expressing the Dharma. Kisa is more poetic, mind's a little more rational. Sometimes we hear better one way, sometimes we hear better the other way. Sometimes one approach touches us more carefully, deeply, the other time, sometimes another approach does. Regardless, it's all about liberation, all about awakening. Now, when we think about liberation, enlightenment, freedom, nirvana, all the different synonyms and for that, our ordinary mind, we think of it like getting out of jail. I'm in jail, <clears throat> and if I need, I need to find the key. I gotta find the right key. I gotta have somebody to bring me the key. So I gotta have someone show me how to use the key. The wrong key won't work. Gotta have the right key. And so we start on the search and looking for the right key, the right tool, the right, 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 right. We look in books and we listen to talks and we talk to teachers. And our mind is always saying, <clears throat> is, that, is that the best? Is that the way it'll work? Is that the best method? Will that method do it? Maybe I should work on koans. Maybe I should work on shikantaza. Maybe I should just inquire deeply into the natural nature of mind. Maybe I should rest in rigpa. Maybe I should do nothing. Maybe I... I just go there, just hear that, just, 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 then I'll be liberated. I'll get out of jail. And of course, that is a completely understandable approach. We are all modern people, and we've all been trained to shop. Since we were very young, we've been trained to shop. But liberation is not dependent upon good shopping skills. It's not dependent upon making the best choice or the right choice. Good shopping skills are important, and we all need to know them. We're going to have a kitchen. It requires many skills, and cost and location and menu, and how to acquire the appropriate ingredients and what is palatable. And shopping is somehow about acquiring the right thing the skillful thing, the most cost-effective thing. The... But liberation is about emptying out. It's more like going into the kitchen and taking things out of the kitchen and then seeing what's left. There was a documentary uh, I saw a few years ago about Mother Teresa, and some people had given her a building, I think in San Francisco, she went in and looked around the whole building. It was quite, quite an elegant building. She took out the paintings. She took out the sofas. She said, we don't need the rugs. 
took out the tables, took out the chairs. Finally, she even took out the beds and the sinks. She said, we don't need the sinks. We don't need this. All we need is God's loving attention channeled through caring people. We don't need all this stuff. Now, it's a little bit draconian, and yet the point was stuff, the right stuff, the best stuff, the good stuff, is not what the heart longs for. And our mind, of course, says, well, what about, what about, what about, what about, what about? Yes, but, yes, but, yes, but. Practice is unlearning. Unlearning. Unlearning that all the the need, 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 we need to have the correct sounds and the correct silence and the correct schedule and the correct location and the correct guidance. Need to feel a certain way have certain experiences. What? What? If we were sitting here right now without need. They were sitting here right now without wanting something else. What if we were sitting right here, right now, without hope? Something better. What would be left with? Right there is where liberation is found. The changing isness of this moment. Need, aspiration of a certain kind is all about the future. We talk about the heart's aspiration, just having a direction, which is appropriate and important. But along the way, things come when we don't expect them, we don't want them. And they go in their own time. As Dogen says, flowers fall despite our longing and weeds spring up despite our loathing. We are so habituated to shopping. So habituated to shopping. <clears throat> because shopping is tied up <clears throat> in most of our minds with fear. If I make the wrong choice, if I get the wrong thing, if I, then, then what will happen? Then I will fail. Then I will suffer. Then I will be inadequate. Then I won't get what I think I want to get. My whole life is dependent upon, I've got to shop right. Right state of mind. Got to hear the right words. Got to hear the right 
correct the best, whatever our version is. And our mind, our fearful mind, is just judging, judging, judging. Nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. Nope, that. Well, in a way, that is true. Nothing is it. But in the ordinary mind, it's all about getting. And I think maybe it comes from the, the foundation of our particular culture, the Abrahamic traditions of, you know, if we, we grew up with, if I do the wrong thing, I'll go to hell. I'll be irredeemable, I'll be lost, I'll be worthless, I'll suffer. I've got to do the right thing. I've got to make the right choice. I've got to live the right way. <clears throat> And, of course, it is true that there is skillful and unskillful, a kusala and a kusala. But this is not, this, I've got to live, do, make the right choice, is not dharma. It's not dharma. The dharma view is everything can teach us. Everything is learning. Everything is presenting us with reality. And there is nothing that cannot be turned into wisdom to benefit others. Nothing. Some people get a PhD in suffering because they want to understand a certain kind of suffering well enough to be able to help others. The view of, I've got to get the best, I've got to avoid <clears throat> the pitfalls, I've got to avoid the traps. When we can't, when we don't, just leads us to more and more anxiety. I should know what to do, and we don't. I should know what to do, and we don't. I should know what to do, and I'm so anxious because I don't know what to do. I should know what to do, but we don't. We don't know the future. We don't know what the future is holding. We do know that in the present moment, listening, in this case, right here, right now, making the most intimate choice we can make will lead to the next moment. And on the scale of good and bad, if we say the best choice now and 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 the best choice now, we end up with the best outcome. We can't make the best choice tomorrow if we don't make it now. But the Dharma view is what presents itself to us, is what is to be attended to, is what is to be connected with. Everything can be turned into wisdom. There's a koan, as all of you know, the catch line is every day is a good day. Every moment is a good moment. Every time is a good time. And that has to be a reified experience. Otherwise, it's just a good idea until we come into something that we really 
hate, have a hard time with, and then suddenly the ideas just fall. <clears throat> ideas are just ideas. Great ideas, small ideas, liberating ideas, distorted ideas, adequate ideas, inadequate ideas. They're all just based on separation. Like ideas of sound and silence, as though there were two things, as though it's possible to have one without the other, as though it's possible that they're not one whole indivisible, that it's possible to have something called sound which is independent from, it has nothing to do with silence that is behind the sound, that it's possible to have a foreground without the background, that it's possible to have something that we see without the unseen. It's possible to have a stick and we decided we're going to cut the top of the stick off. And so we cut the top of the stick off and we're still left with a stick with the top and the bottom. So we cut the top of the stick off and we're still left with a stick with the top and the bottom. The top and the bottom are inseparable. Upside and downside are inseparable. Silence and sound are inseparable. And yet we have an idea that there's this thing called sound. This idea there's this thing called silence. This idea there's a thing called me. This idea there's a thing called not me. This idea that there is a mistake. Movement, stillness. So this particular retreat, lots of retreats, we were simply using the immediacy of sound, the uniqueness, the isness of the sense of sound as an entrance gate to liberation. The sound that we're making right now. The words are kind of extra. The sound. It's what we're hearing. And not some special sound or some lack of sound. We're basically just holding up sound and say, listen to it. And you can ask questions. Where do I hear that sound? What is it that recognizes sound? Those syllables, that babble? Or we can point things out, maybe. Nothing, nothing is pointed out makes any sense until we recognize it ourselves. The truth that sets us free is often recognized when the limited beliefs, the small-minded ideas that we have about reality are simply looked at carefully and examined and seen for what they are. The fundamental examination is, is this experience, sound experience, 
feeling experience, you know, floor experience. Is this experience, is there a better experience than the experience that I'm having? Is there a better sound than the sound I'm hearing in this instant? Is there a better floor than the floor I'm feeling in this instant? Is there a better air than the air I'm breathing in this instant? In this instant. And if we look carefully, of course, <clears throat> we can use sound and sight. We can even use thought for that matter. The answer is pretty obvious. We don't hear a future sound. We don't hear a past sound. Even if we have a, a memory of a past sound, it's all now. If you have a fantasy of a future sound, it's all now. Fantasy of how the world will feel tomorrow, it's all now. A memory of how the world was in the 1980s, it's still that memory is all now. It's obvious when we think about it. It's clear and obvious that there is no other sound than the sound that we're hearing. And it's gone. There is no other sight than the sight that we're seeing, and it's gone. There is no other thought than the thought that we're thinking, and it's gone. To step outside of our fantasies about someplace else, something else, some when else, something else, and to actually enter the reality of this flowing moment is practice. And it may be that we do a session on spacious nature of mind, or we do things on emptiness, or we do things on sound, or we do things on the whole earth, or we you know, whatever whatever words you use. But they're just words to try to point to the only place that could actually be pointed to. So mental confusion, delusion, the jail keeper, is I don't like this. I don't like this. Should be different. In the Middle Ages, the Orthodox Church of the Western Civilization tried to make reality agree with their opinion. And their opinion was that the sun goes around the earth. And they burned people at the stake and they pulled out people's tongues and they did all kinds of horrible things trying to make reality agree with them. That the earth is the center of the cosmos. But reality does not agree with us. And it's futile 
refutal, for us to get into an argument about, I'm right, I'm right. We have lots of sounds we're hearing. Crow out there, sound in here, sound up there, wherever it is, birds. Sound is never the problem. Never the problem. Never the problem. What we see is never the problem. It's the mental confusion. Our mental confusion. And clearing up our mental confusion is part of what session is about, or what practice is about. Our misinterpretation of reality. According to me, Things should go this way. Those birds should oink instead of caw. According to me, it's confusion. The way things are is the way things are. Sound is not right or wrong or good or bad, better or worse, it's just sound. Explosions and lullabies are just sounds. It's a fundamental teaching of Dharma. An equivalent teaching is reverence for all life, or respect for all life. Not reverence for the life I like, not reverence for the life that I think agrees with me, not reverence for the life I like, but reverence for all life, respect for all sound, hearing all sound, understanding the fundamental truth of the isness. Even our thoughts, they just come through. So this mental confusion of where we are adding all this extra stuff on top of reality and then thinking that the extra stuff we just added to reality is reality, it's endless until we look directly. That's all session is. Let's look directly. Let's listen directly. John Cage, the artist from the beginning of the last century, said, wherever we are, whatever we hear, it's just noise. When we ignore it, it disturbs us. When we listen to it, we find it fascinating. The sound of a truck at 50 miles an hour, the static between the stations, between radio stations, I assume, rain. We want to hear these not as sound effects, but as musical instruments. And he says, an error is simply a failure to adjust immediately from a preconception to an actuality. The failure to adjust from a preconception to an actuality. Preconception is separation, self and other. 
preconception is, I am here, me, special, and you are out there, inadequate beings. Preconception. In accordance, not in accord with experience or reality, just in accord with our fantasy, our preconception. W. Methow, the writer and composer, says, music is direct. Its quantities and qualities can be sensed without rational thought. My body, my body vibrates without having to think about vibration. I have experience, but I don't have to describe it. This is the foundation of Dharma. This is the foundation of listening practice. To listen, to have experience without adding any other layers onto it. To have experience that allows experience to show us reality, the truth, what is liberated. And of course, you know, we respond to experiences differently. Step out of the way of a truck and we sing to a baby. But the fundamental teaching of Dharma, everything is teaching us. And we have to be in direct contact with it and not having it, all of our opinions about it, and then us. So, the first, not the first, a requisite for liberation is an open mind. A receptive mind, an available mind. A mind that is open to the sights and sounds and smells and tastes and touches and even thoughts that are flowing through. We can't actually say, I'm going to make myself open, but we can be even open to openness. Open to being receptive, open to being available. Open mind is a creative mind. Open mind is a flexible mind. Open mind is a resilient mind. Open mind is a liberated mind. Open mind is a spacious mind. And mental confusion is closed, small. Shielded, defended, cocooned. So our practice is the practice of openness. Meeting things as they are. Hearing things as they are. Not stuck to self or other not stuck to I know and you don't. Not stuck to I've got to know. Not stuck to I am right. Practice is being anchored in the flow of immediacy, the flow of reality. I am right. The beginning of war. I know I am right. 
beginning of persecutions, beginning of arguments, beginning of intolerance. To be anchored in the flow of immediacy. Here's what the Diamond Sutra says. When Subhuti heard these words, he was moved to tears. He said to the Buddha, It's a rare privilege, sir, that you have offered us this teaching. Since the moment long ago when I understood, I have never heard a teaching so profound and so direct. Sir, if someone is able to hear this teaching with an open mind, that person will surely have an insight into reality and see things just as they are, beyond all concepts. Such a person is worthy of the utmost respect. I have understood your teaching and am deeply moved by it. But thousands of years from now, if an open-minded person hears this sutra and truly realizes what it is teaching and then embodies it and lives it, that person will be extraordinary. He or she will be free of the concepts of self or other, which aren't real. And those who are freed themselves from concepts are called Buddhas. The Buddha said, yes, Subhuti, exactly so. If someone hears this sutra and isn't frightened or upset by its teaching, that person is indeed extraordinary. Someone hears this teaching about I've got to be right and isn't frightened or upset by its teaching, that person is extraordinary. What if liberation were not about, I know, I'm right, I've got it, you don't have it, but rather, what if liberation was about connection? What if liberation was about oneness? about intimacy, about seeing self and other as two sides of a dance, of seeing knowing and not knowing as both reciprocal truths, seeing ignorance and not ignorance as both essential. This is what Nisargadatta, Maharaji Nisargadatta says. Because it cannot be told, you must gain your own experience. You're accustomed to deal with things, physical and mental. But I'm not a thing, and neither are you. I am not a thing, and neither are you. We are neither matter nor energy, neither body nor mind, Once you have a glimpse of your own being, you will not find it difficult to understand. But we believe so many things on hearsay. We believe in distant lands and people. We believe in heavens and hells. We believe in gods and goddesses, just because we were told. Similarly, we were told about ourselves, our birth, our parents, our name, 
our position, our duties, our history, our childhoods, and so on. We never verified it. The way to truth lies through the destruction of the false. And to destroy the false, you must question your most inveterate beliefs. To destroy the false, you must question, look into, examine, reflect upon your most deeply held beliefs. Inveterate beliefs. Of these, the idea that you are the body is the worst. With the body comes the world, and with the world it starts. Fears, religions, and prayers, and sacrifices, and all sorts of systems, all to protect and support the child-adult frightened out of their wits by monsters of their own making. Frightened out of our wits by monsters of our own making. Monsters that we make in our minds. Realize that you cannot be born nor die, and with that fear, all with, and with the fear gone, all suffering ends. What is it that's alive? Is there anything alive? What evidence do you have? Were you born? Other than memory and a story, what's the evidence of that? Will you die? The unborn Buddha mind is unborn. That which is unborn is undying. It is not a thing. He continues, What the mind invents, the mind destroys. But the real is not invented and cannot be destroyed. Look at that over which the mind has no power. What I am telling you is about is neither in the past nor in the future. It is the timeless and total timelessness. It is beyond thought. And how do we know that? Listen. Listen. Listen deeply, listen closely, listen intimately, listen without opinions, listen without good or bad, listen without hope, listen without intention, listen without understanding. Allow listening to inform, to teach, to show us. It's always free. Allow listening to reveal what is true, unincarcerated. So the practice of listening is very available to all of us. But our opinions, our 
judgments, our views are so thick that we find it hard to listen. But as we practice and as we listen and listen day after day and as we listen and listen to sound and to music and to silence and to birds and to humming and to people rustling and all the things that we listen to and we keep turning our mind, listening, 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 then we gradually begin to listen with a clearer mind, a, a more open mind. A, we gradually tend to begin to listen to what's present instead of what we hope, think, wish were present. And as we listen to what is the ever-flowing isness of this moment, it reveals itself to us. We become lighter, freer, less encumbered by our own opinions. Please have confidence in this direct experience which we all know so well. Look carefully, listen carefully, feel. Things are as they are. That which is felt, heard, and the seer of what is felt and heard, and the location that it is felt and heard, and the place that it disappears to, all are exactly the same. So, I suggest you have fun doing it.